Sure. Never mind. Uh, that's a brand new song. I just wrote it the other day. Sweet. And I uh, wrote this for my wife and my kid. It's called Something You'd Die For. Used to live for a dad bar bus, long drag off a cigarette. I used to think I knew what love was, but I didn't know a damn thing yet. Woke up and I'm five years older, any man house with the dog in the back, a wedding band and a baby in a stroller. Hell, everybody ought to have something that you live for, something that you fight for. Work your ass off over time for something to come on to You hold on to that little real light that pulls you through I always thought there was something missing Come to find out there's so much more You think life's all about living Then you got something you would die for Heaven knows if it came down to it I swear I wouldn't even think twice I'd gladly take the bullet If somebody ever crossed that line They used to tell me but I didn't listen And no it never really crossed my mind You don't think about unconditioned Until you find Something that you live for Something that you fight for Work your ass off over time for something to come home to You hold on to that little real light that pulls you through I always thought there was something missing Come to find out there's so much more You think life's all about living But you got something you would die for Whatever your heart beats for when every breath you breathe's for It's what you hit your knees for Something that you live for Something that you fight for Work your ass off over time for Something to come home to You hold on to That little real light that pulls you through I always thought there was something missing Come to find out there's so much more all about living but you got something you would die for so you got something that you die for that was fantastic thanks man I loved it I, that that's a I think that's one of the few like unreleased songs that have been played on the po- the podcast so far, and that's yeah. that's that's fantastic. First time I've ever played in front of the camera or anything like that. Yeah, so, that's yeah. awesome. Thanks, well, man. well, thank you so much. So, uh, first impressions, and you may get this a lot, you may not, but I you're a lot taller than I expected. <laughs> yeah, I get that every show. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, but for some reason, I was expecting you to be a lot shorter. I think it's because most most everyone is as most songwriters yeah. are yeah. fairly short, and the yeah. stage makes them seem you know n- normal. Yeah. Than, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm tall. I get yeah. that all the time. I don't know why the perception is 
everyone's short that's on stage, but I think that's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. it's like when you meet Bruce Robinson, I guess because you can't tell when you're always looking up at someone, you just, you know, they're on a stage, yeah. they're elevated, but yeah. first time I met Bruce, I was like, man, you are you're tall, you know? <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time. Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned earlier, but before the, we started the podcast, that you, uh, you went to Lubbock for schools, you went to, to Tech, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what did you major by you? Uh, I was agriculture, agriculture economics was what I ended up with, but... I mean, I was business, and then it was whatever I could. My GPA allowed me to be. I, mean, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I fell in an ag because it all my I was trying to go to business, and then I couldn't get into business school, and so pretty much all my credits lined up in ag, ag eco, and it was interesting. I loved the ag college there, so it uh, it kind of fell in line. Yeah, I'm an ag business major as well. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, and I I agree. It's a uh, it works out. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of fall into yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, school is de- de- definitely hard with uh, like a lot of stuff. I'm sure, uh, like playing m- music while you were in school too. Like that had to be tough working around your schedule. I'm sure. I mean, no, because the music was the priority. I mean, school is yeah. you know, school, <laughs> school is never a priority in my life. I was always a terrible student, um, but I was stubborn enough to finish college. I mean, that was like. <clears throat> It was important for me to finish college. I think it was more so, I think it, my parents, my parents were very happy that they had all three of their kids graduate from college. So yeah. I think kind of having that in the back, like doing it for myself, but also like, I mean, now looking back on it, I'm like, I'm very glad I did. But at the time, I just, something I had to do. You know, yeah. I felt like I had to do. I don't know if I was doing it for my parents or what, but I felt like I had to do it, so. Yeah, I was pretty stubborn. But well, I was he's in college a, for seven years. So. Very successful agricultural e- e- economicist, if I can pronounce that word now. Economist. Right? <laughs> economist. <laughs> of course. I mean, he's over here headlining. So. <laughs> so I saw some pictures yesterday on your Instagram story of you with your dog. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, Gumbo is uh, she's a black lab. She's from uh, Northwest Arkansas, and uh, yeah, I bought her uh, last October. Her birthday's coming up, and um, second, she's almost two. And yeah, she's been uh, training for field trials and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I've got a family ranch down in Southeast Texas, and I'm just, I'm not a big hunter, like uh, deer or anything, mule deer yeah. or elk or any of that stuff, like some of my buddies are. I just, I'm just like, I'm just a duck hunter, so. Really? And I'm not like a, an incredibly good one, but it's been, this has been my first time getting a dog like Gumbo. I've never had a lab before. I've had, had them growing up. My dad trained dogs a little bit, and, um, but I had to wait till I could afford the right breed line, and then also I knew I had to afford the training aspect. Yeah. So it's it's more than just buying the dog. And so uh, I I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, I'll, I'm ready to I'm ready to commit to. I didn't want to buy a lab and not commit to training it. So yeah. um, I was ready to commit a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, she comes on the road with us, and she's got her own little bunk on the bus, and <laughs> um, yeah, she's just a she's and she's awesome she's very sweet and man when she gets into hunting mode though she just turns laser focused that's awesome really fun, so. i've never yeah. been duck hunting i've always I've, I've wanted to go so bad one day i'm gonna get to it the, the only well, southwest arkansas <clears throat> or southeast arkansas is a great place you know really for, for yeah i mean i mean any i mean sorry sorry southwest uh, southeast oklahoma yeah is a great place for it um oklahoma in general is a great great place for duck hunting i mean y'all kind of we're in Southeast Texas, it's kind of their last stop in the, in the United States before they keep going. So they're mm-hmm. pretty shot up by the time they get there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty avid. I've always been a duck hunter. It's just kind of been what our family does. 
and uh, it's just what I know. Hey guys, we want to tell you a little bit about Deadwake Archery Innovations. They got all kinds of awesome stuff. They create their very own custom designed CNC milled bows and they do all kinds of uh, crazy colors with the anodization. And uh, you want to tell them a little bit more? Yeah, so it is a Oklahoma State graduate there. They're in Kansas, Oklahoma is where they're established. Uh, they do some great stuff. Great killing machines for the water, honestly. <laughs> and uh, just go, go check them out. Thank you so much for Deadwake Archery Innovation for sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> the, the only duck hunting I've ever done is probably some illegal pond hopping in <laughs> northeast Oklahoma. So I've that's done my fair share of pond hopping. But this, I mean, like, I, we have a farm in West Texas, uh, where I have my cows at, and they, uh, the hunting out there is just, I don't even consider it duck hunting. You just kind of sit on a bank and, and you shoot way more ducks in West Texas than you do in Southeast Texas. But Southeast Texas is like, you know, there's alligators, there's swamp, there, we have an airboat, yeah. you know, mud boats. It's like cabin in the swamp. Like, it's just kind of like the nostalgia of it. It's really cool down there. It's, so so it's do you, you own a ranch in uh, West Texas? Uh, my family, my, my, my mom passed it down to me. It was her, her dad's, um, he was born there, and it's about, it's not a ranch. It's on, like 160 acres and then my mom owns half so uh but i run my cows on it and uh i lived there after college and uh, and yeah so um I, you know it's about an hour from fort worth so i'm there quite a bit so it's awesome how, how many head do you have oh just seven and 14 in the calf so but that's what we run all our beef through i have a beef company that we sell half and holes really beef and uh and so we run them out of there and then also my, my one of my partners has a place across the street so we uh you know, I'll sell mine one year and we'll sell his next. We'll flip flop. So really? that way we always have beef rolling in and out. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I was going to say. I, I would have <laughs> n- never guessed that, like, you're, you're headlining at Bub- Bubba's one day, then the next day you're s- s- selling beef. In well, West we Texas. just got <laughs> sick of, you know, I just got, well, I didn't even get sick of it, but, like, you know, like I said, I only have seven head because, you know, I, I'm one cow per 30 acres at my place. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't like putting hay out because I'm gone so much. I, I like to have the, make, make sure the property can manage the amount of cows that's on it. Yeah. So, uh, just so it's kind of self-sustains itself. But uh, you know, when you're doing that much, and you're you know every year you're taking seven head to the cell barn, and you're making well now it's you know thousand bucks a head, but back then it was like five hundred bucks. Yeah. Six hundred bucks, and uh, and which was cool. I mean, it, and it's not about it's really not about making money, but it was just kind of like I did that for like five or six years. And then, you know, it's just a hobby for me. I'm not a real rancher or anything. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my, one of my buddies there was like, man, what, you know, people have been, a lot of people have been selling beef and, you know, I'd like to finish out cows. And I was like, would you want to partner with me? I was like, absolutely. That sounds like fun. So yeah. it's been a really cool experience. And we got a little merch line out with it. And, uh, you know, it's been really fun. Like some fans <laughs> buy halves and holes and I'll go deliver it to them. And That's cool. It's pretty cool. But <laughs> so cool. so, well, we don't sell that much and we don't, we're not trying. I mean, I guess we can get as big as we want to, but it's not like a, this isn't like a fallback plan. Yeah. It's like it's just fun. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. fun and it's a little side project. And also, people that I mean, and somebody, it's one of somebody bought a beef the other day, and went to their house and uh, it was a really nice house in Eastland County. And you know, I was putting it in the freezer, and, and uh, my partner was like, "Hey, how'd you hear about us?" And they're like, "Oh, just randomly heard." And uh, you know, we we uh, we just wanted to try some half and whole and, or half, and we just randomly heard and. And turns out that uh, she's like, so what do you do? I was like, well, I'm a musician. I travel the country and, and play songs. And they're like, oh, really? What's your name? And 
And um, I was like, my name's William Clark Green. So they had no clue. Well, their son, they, they're like, yeah, we bought some beef on this guy named William. He was like, what? William Clark Green's at your house? I mean, it was really funny. And they like called, like, I can't believe we didn't know blah, blah. And I was like, it's all good. Like, I thought that was cool. You know? That's so. crazy. So what, do you have a name? What's the name of the, your uh, it's beef? It's called Bill Grease uh, Beef. Bill Grease Beef. So, so. in college, I had a nickname. So everything I own is in Bill Grease. So the name of the record company that we have is called Bill Grease Records. That's what all of our checks all of our checks have that you get that we pay out say Bill Grease Records on them. And it was a college nickname because I'd always show up to class hungover, and uh, and and one of my buddies, Rankin Starkey, he was like, you know, you're not William Clark Green, you're more like Bill Grease, <laughs> and it just stuck. It That's just a good it just stuck. So. Um, my wife always says too. She goes, "I didn't. I didn't marry William Clark Green. I married. I wanted to marry Bill Grease. <laughs> so it's like the alter ego, I guess. Yeah. Whatever, so he, that's his Chris Gaines right there. Yes, Actually, exactly. I feel like Bill Grease is more me than William Clark Green, which is hilarious. So uh, I think my wife thinks that too. Yeah. Are you, you going to dro- drop a rock album here pretty quick? That's going to be called Bill, Bill Grease, <laughs> self-titled. Yeah, that would be fun to do a song named Bill Grease, or something like that. The Ballad of Bill Grease. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so have you have you always gone by the William Clark Green? Uh, that's, that's my name. Yeah. Uh, I always gone by William. So, but no, I mean when I was growing up, and you know they weren't like William Clark Green, like yeah, yeah. But my sister's kids is Tom Henry, you know and Thomas Henry. We call everybody calls him Tom Henry, but yeah, I was just William Green growing up. Yeah. And um, and my my favorite songwriters uh, of all time's name's Willis Allen Ramsey, and uh. I just thought that his name always sounded so cool, Willis Allen Ramsey. And so yeah. I was like, William Alice, Willis, Willis Allen Ramsey, and William Clark Green. And I was like, so I just, that's, that was kind of what I went by. Yeah, so. it's, got, it's got a good flow to it, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and I never, you know, never used my middle name growing up or anything, so it's kind of cool to, to kind of use it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you ever get, um, could, do you ever get, like, does someone ever call you Charles Wesley Godwin? No, I get uh, <laughs> William Clark. William Clark. Yeah. I had uh, all the time. John, I was yeah. he was asking what we were doing this week. I was telling him, and then he texted me like yesterday or the day before, and he's like, "You still going to talk to Charles Wesley Godwin?" I was like, I'm like no. "No, Charles Different is awesome. Guy. We love yeah. him, by the way." <laughs> yeah. Different three-worded name. Yeah, yeah either a songwriter or a serial killer. So that's what <laughs> yeah. I said. So uh, sp- speaking of songwriting, like, how do you get in like the headspace to like write songs and like really? get in that mode of writing songs what where do you draw inspiration from it as well? i mean like just like that song i mean that's just what i want to write about like i mean every record is like you know what you know, my last record was about a lot of it was about you know it, it's like four three years behind so when i come out of a record the writing happened three years ago so it was my life three years ago so <clears throat> the last record baker hotel came out was about you know majority majority about it's about really two a combination of two ex-girlfriends that i had um and uh and yeah, that's just you know, it's every 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 album's a chapter. And this next this next album, I'm sure we'll have songs that are all about my family and my wife and yeah. you know all that stuff. So, but every record's a chapter. I mean, you could literally, you could literally, my life story is pretty much every one. Or and I'm not saying every song is. There's songs that I take. You know, a friend of mine is going through a situation, and and I'll make it first person. You know, um, and sometimes I'll make it you know third person. So. Um, it's just a. Uh, it's just however, yeah. I mean, there's no rules. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, typically I write about things I care about, you know. Yeah. Or things that are weighing. You know, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm very vulnerable songwriter. I don't. I don't hide anything in my songwriting. I, everything is pretty much black and white. So it's pretty obvious what 
I'm feeling or going through or or where I'm at in my life on yeah. each record. You know, Do you, how, go ahead. I was like, how old were you when you started writing songs? Uh, eighth grade. Yeah, eighth I wrote grade. my first song eighth grade. Yeah, I was definitely in middle school. It could have been seventh, but I'm pretty sure it was eighth. Because I remember I was just learning how to play guitar in seventh grade, and and when I was, you know, that was big. You know, TR, you get off school and you go watch MTV TRL to the Chris Life, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I remember I was practicing guitar, and like I was playing a couple of chords, and they matched up with whatever was going on, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I wasn't trying to learn the song, but I was just like playing around, and I was like, oh, that sounded like that chord he just played. Mm-hmm. And then, or that sounds like that on that music video. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then I found out, I was like, oh my gosh. Because back then you had, to, you had to go to a computer, which we didn't have a computer in the house. Yeah. Find a computer, then print out, you know, you had, and you had to figure out chord progressions and time signatures of your hand. And then it also have the notes above the words. And, uh, and, I, and I hated doing that. So I was always, always, always wanted to figure out how to just play it, listen to it and play it. So, um, and it's really quite difficult to do. But once I figured out how to do that, uh, I was like, well, shoot, that, that's all they're doing to write these songs. And they're on MTV. Yeah. You know, um, I could write a song. And so I just started writing. Huh. I mean, yeah, I wasn't taught. My, my, my dad didn't. Uh, there was no, just started doing it. Really? Yeah. That's really interesting. So uh, were there any, like, any, do you have any family members that played music, wrote music or anything like that? Yeah, my uncle Marty, he named me actually. Um, he always had a Martin guitar, and oh, and every time we were at the beach, he was always playing. But he wasn't a songwriter. He, you know, he'd play Margaritaville, and he'd play, you know, just like the yeah. the classic fun yeah. songs, you know. And my cousins, they kind of play guitar the same way. They just kind of covered, you know. That's when that's what I was doing too. And then um, my dad played uh, guitar in college, like uh, as just a study break. He didn't play like, but he knew how to play. We always had a guitar laying around the house, but he didn't really play it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I think when I sparked interest in it, I mean, my dad's really, really, it was really into rock and roll and stuff like that, you know, uh, Rock Cooter and Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. I mean, he's a lover of music, always had music playing. My dad has, my dad has good taste in music, too. And um, and so I don't know, it just kind of was, there was always a guitar in the corner and, and uh, growing up, so it was just, there was always a guitar around, but no one really played it, you know? Yeah. So, but there wasn't like a huge, like, uh, yeah, I just I did. I, I think I learned guitar. The boredom. I moved to College Station. I had no friends. I moved there over summertime. I had no friends. We just moved there, and, and my cousin was a freshman at um, at A and M, and we'd go to church on Sunday, and and we'd my, we'd take him out to lunch afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and we would always uh, after church one time they were like, hey, free guitar lessons, and he was like, you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that because I was so bored. Yeah, and we just we took the guitar lessons together and. And, uh, and then I'd go to his dorm and, you know, he taught me how to dip snuff and, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we'd learn like, you know, I remember Steve Earle songs and Robert O'Keen songs and we and he would, he said, have you heard this guy, Robert O'Keen? Like, no, I've never heard of him, you know? And, uh, cause he had a computer in his dorm. So we could look up all these songs and yeah. try to learn how to play them. And, and then in college he had a band. So the four year, four years he was in college, you know, I was, and, uh, he was probably there for five years and, uh, I was, you know, I was my whole high school. So. We were always, you know, play. and then he had like a little band, so I'd go open for him a time or two, and, and we'd go out to our ranch, family ranch for, we'd do a big party there every year, and we'd play, you know? Yeah. We'd song swap and stuff like that, and, and yeah, it just that's kind of how it happened. And that's so awesome. his name, he passed, he passed away, unfortunately. His name was Benjamin, uh, Ben Hall, and so I named my, my first son Benjamin. Um, 
after him and then also my uh, my great grandfather, kind of a mixture of the two. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean that was really it. I mean that's that's kind of how it started. And then I just anything I just didn't I knew I didn't want to you know I hated school and I just I just always always had a guitar in my hand. You know, I was always always yeah. had it around and always writing songs. And yeah, always doing that kind of stuff. It sounded like it was uh, destined to happen regardless. Really. Well, I mean, I think it just about you know, I just did it so yeah. much. You know, yeah, you exactly. Know, I just did it so much. So, do you ever find it hard to like when you're writing a song? Is it like for me? It would be difficult to not get other song melodies or things like that in my head. And like, is it ever tough to like? Well, it's not tough. It's embarrassing if anything. Like. Um, Cause you, you know, you know, I've never done an outside cut, you know, ever. And my goal is definitely not to steal something from someone, yeah. you know, yeah. and go, you know, I'm very, very passionate about doing everything my, you know, my sound, my way, you know, and uh, but yeah, I mean, Rose Queen sounds just like the intro to an Adam Hood song. I mean, exactly the same. And I didn't know it till the record came out. I didn't realize it, but and it was, well, it is. It's a, almost a carbon copy of it and subconsciously we did it yeah i have no idea like i love that song but i love this i've heard the song a, a bunch but i didn't when i was writing the song or when we were in the studio I, I wasn't thinking about oh we should do this adam hood intro yeah but if you look at them it's literally like the exact same thing <laughs> wow. the yeah. intro is yeah and uh and it was embarrassing i called yeah it's so embarrassing i called adam i was like hey man like Cause you know, if he listened to my record, he heard it and was like, "Dude, that sounds just like my intro." You exactly. Know? Like, of course, yeah. no way he wouldn't have known. Yeah. So I called him. I was like, "Dude, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I just realized." And he's kind of chuckled, cause he had seen me a couple of times prior to the record coming out, and he didn't say anything. And uh, I was, I'm so embarrassed, man. Like, you know, obviously I've heard that song before. It must have been a subconscious thing. Like, you know, I obviously would never try to steal or rip you off. Like, you know, and it's not like my song was a huge, huge, huge hit success, anyways. But um, it was just like. Uh, yeah, it's embarrassing if anything. But yeah, there's. I would say to answer your question, there's always like, definitely, you try to negate that, but it's it's an honest mistake. It's an honest mistake. I mean, it's more yeah. of a compliment to, to if it happens. It was more of a compliment I feel like to him than he, just because he. I mean, he knows I was a fan. I mean, I was going to watch yeah. his shows and stuff. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was a subconscious deal, but I would never do that intentionally. Um, but also, it's. Well, howdy, folks. Welcome down to Bad Brad's Barbecue. Hey, stop looking at Gus. Stop it. Stop it. Alright, folks, you see here, Jack is trying to throw some cornhole, and he just can't get it done. I just cannot hit anything today. I see that, Jagger. Man, you gotta have some bad brads. Play that crap in your hunger. Vernon always coming in clutch with the barbecue. Oh, yeah, look at that bite, folks. Alright, Jagger, let's see it. Look at that. Brad bad Brads, where you can't help but be good. Like Jagger said, folks, Bad Brads Barbecue, where it's good to be bad. But also, it's sometimes in the studio, I was like, oh man, this needs to sound like a petty intro, you know? Like, or this needs to have this kind of vibe, you yeah. know? Like, we talk about stuff like that all the time. So I think, I think you gotta take pieces of what you listen to and what you like and you implement it. Yeah, So of I think everyone's kind of taking a little bit from someone else. Yeah, at all point, yeah. It, it's all in, inspired yeah. by something, right? Well, if, if you don't mind, uh, you mind playing us another song for us? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I might as well pump these guys. Uh, we're, we're doing a show in Nashville here in a little bit, but um, we're doing Americana Fest, and uh, I'm in a band called The Panhandlers with Josh Abbott and uh, John Bauman and Cleto Cordero. And, uh, and this is, uh, speaking of outside cuts, the cool thing about this project is we take 
we take songs from friends of ours uh, from the Lubbock area that, and we write songs too for the project, but we take some songs that we absolutely love and we'll, we'll put them on the record and we'll sing them, and which I've never done before. But it's been really, really fun in that project uh, to do that. And this is a song that was written by our friend Charlie Stout, who is a fantastic songwriter. Um, and uh, one of the best songwriters in West Texas. And a great photographer too. And he's been a friend of ours for years. And uh, this song, I always thought this song needed to see the light of day. And uh, we put a little spotlight to it. And uh, it got on Yellowstone, which is really cool. And I know he was super proud of that. And Because uh, I think he always thought it was a good song. And it's not a good song. It's a great song. So um, yeah. I'm happy to play it. It's called West Texas in Mind. Lately I've been thinking I could leave this town Cut back on my drinking Stop this running around Playing songs till after midnight Staying up till dawn But there's something in the dust and wind That keeps me hanging on And I never thought I'd live to see the day I'd say goodbye I ain't crying, that's West Texas in my eyes. I'll be your blue-eyed bandit if you'll be my renegade Watch a thousand tumbleweeds roll by me every day I'd like to grow a rose and stow it in that desert sage Like a message in a bottle floating down the open plains where the as the cattle rises up to meet the sky I ain't crying, that's West Texas in my I've watched the thunderhead descend and rip into the ground The twisted hand of heaven spreading terror all around Putting farmers into deeper debt and ranchers in the grave Where towers mark the end of time with slowly spinning blades Where the water table falls below the reach of humankind I ain't crying, that's West Texas in my Lately I've been thinking I could leave this town Cut back on my drinking Stop this running around Playing songs till after midnight Staying up till dawn But there's something in the dust and wind That keeps me and I never thought I'd live to see the day I'd say goodbye I ain't crying, that's West Texas in my eye I ain't crying, that's West Texas in my eye Fantastic. So glad you played that one. I, I love that song. I was telling him on the way up here, I was like, man, I would really love to hear West Texas <laughs> in my eye today. Oh, yeah, man. 
Uh, we actually talked to uh, Cleto yesterday. Uh, we saw him out at Born and Raised. Cool. And uh, that's I, right, guy. I told yeah. him I was like, I was like, yeah, tomorrow we're going to see. Um, uh, we're going to interview uh, William. He's like, oh. So I don't know if he like didn't believe us or he <laughs> did what, whatever the case was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Clyde's a great guy, man. So Love how did spirit and, how did all that come about? Uh, Abbott, I think Abbott had an edible or something in Steamboat, <laughs> and he watched the um, he watched the girls do the Dixie Chick uh, tribute, and it was um, it was like Jamie Lynn, Courtney Patton, and uh, I can't remember if Brie Bagwell was a part of it. I think Caitlin Butts was a part of it. Maybe. But they did like a girl. All the girls were involved, I feel like. I feel like everyone came up and did this chick song. And it was really this cool tribute. Like, they're like, you know, everyone, everyone was talking about the, how cool it was that year. So, Abbott was like, man, we should do a West Texas. Everyone does like a tribute kind of thing every yeah. year or something like some guys do. And, and Abbott was like, man, we should do a, a record and release it um, right before Steamboat and then do our, a show of just West Texas cover songs. Like songs like that, West Texas My Eye and like Joey Lee songs and Butch Hancock and uh, Terry Allen songs and Waylon songs and Buddy Holly and just, you know, and maybe do like a Pat Green song, but just like an homage to West Texas, you know, because that's really where our careers, you know, I, I'm from East Texas, but, you know, Lubbock is, Lubbock is my musical home. I mean, it always has been. I mean, um, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds cool. I'm in, like, I'm in. Uh, sounds fun. And, um, and then we kind of had like a meeting about it, and we, you know, we went to go talk to a producer, and we talked to I was Bruce Robinson was our Robinson was our first, um, and uh, our first guy we talked to, and, and he was like, "What do you guys want to accomplish?" And, and we started talking about songs, and I was like, "I was like, you know, we're songwriters too. I mean, we could write for this thing, like we could put some, you know, a few originals on it about West Texas, and then, and then so we did like our little writers retreat, and you know, our goal is to write a song or two, and we wrote like five, and they're all we all loved them." <laughs> and so we were like, well, shit, let's just do the whole record. Let's just write the whole record. So we did a couple more songwriting retreats, and we just kind of made a record. And then we did, like I said, some outside cuts like Charlie Stout and threw some songs that people – and then we were like, let's do songs that, you know, that deserve to see the light of day that no one knows about, you know, uh, as opposed to like more famous West Texas songs and us just, like, singing them, you know. Yeah. And so that's really how it started. And then Josh has been the – Josh has been the um, – um, I'd say the captain of the ship on that deal. And without his work ethic and how much the time he's put into it, it probably would have never happened. But uh, it's been a really fun experience. It's been stressful at times too, but um, it's just really difficult getting all four of us on the same page with, yeah. with touring and stuff like that. And it's always, it's always seems like something's chaotic going on with it. Uh, but every time we hop on stage and play, like you kind of forget about all that. And it's just really fun. It's yeah. really fun to play the songs online, but getting us on stage, but getting us together, it can be a, a, a cluster, you know what? So. Yeah. So I actually saw that you guys are, uh, like I said, you guys are playing shows. You're actually going to Oklahoma city, I think sometime in November, yeah. October. Uh, no, I think January, J- January. Okay. Yeah. yeah. January, I was, February. I was like, I, when I saw that, I was like, I was like, that's awesome. I didn't know you guys were actually touring as the, is it uh, the panhandle? Is that what it is again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I thought. But yeah, I was. I was like, I'm gonna go, go out and see that show. It'll yeah. be. Really yeah, come on show. out, man. That's really cool. Um, it's, um, you know, it's not like a rocking show at all. It's not like, it's just a. It's kind of like a folk show. Uh, yeah. But man, it really is fun, and it's also like, I think you just kind of get to see like, you get to see me in a different light. You get to see, Abbott in a different light. Where our shows are so much more drastically different than what this is. So, it's fun for us because we get kind of 
play a different role. Yeah. Know? Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's been it's been awesome, and the songs have been like really fun and really creative and enjoyable, and also to writing songs with those guys, getting to see their process and how they do it. It's really really cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. So is there a, is there new stuff coming from the the Panhandlers? Uh, we just released a new record. Uh, man, how long ago was that? I think it was like earlier this year. Uh, it's called Tough Country, and uh, and yeah, so we'll probably get back together and uh, do a couple of songwriter treats probably next year. Yeah, it typically takes about a year and a half or two, two for those things to kind of from start to finish. So uh, yeah, I imagine next year we'll kind of start riding for it in the next one. So that's awesome. Who were who were some of your uh, musical inspirations as far as artists goes when you were when you were coming up? Was it all the that sound, or did you have any influences from other genres as well? Yeah, I mean, I was listening to. I mean, when I was riding racing BMX bikes when I was living in Tyler, um, we always had whatever was on the country radio because there was no other option. You know, <laughs> there was nothing. Radio stations own music. I mean, yeah. they controlled what you listened to. And so we, we, that's what I was listening to. I was listening to you know, Garth Brooks and George Strait and, you know, Tanya Tucker and I, just whoever was on the radio because that's what we're listening to, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then the mix station, you know, and Tyler, that was, they're equally both parts, you know. So we were, we'd always listen to the mix station too. And it's like, yeah, Third Eye Blind. I remember being a huge Third Eye Blind fan and, and being uh, Goo Goo Dolls and uh, the Spin Doctors. I remember listening to them all the time. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That record was awesome, uh, their first record. And then, um, yeah, I even got into like heavy stuff like Tool. I remember listening to some Marilyn Manson back in the day. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I, had, I, I, was, I had skates and I was had a BMX bike. Uh, and we lived out in the sticks too. It was, uh, and then when I moved to College Station, when we moved out of the country, uh, when I moved to College Station. give a huge shout out to our new sponsor, Red Earth Designs. They made all of these new t-shirts you're seeing. You can find those on social media. If you go to our page, Guitars Cowboys Pod, you can click on that, message us, get a shirt, all that good stuff. They also made these awesome cups for us, guys. They do everything from screen printing, uh, vinyl, uh, laser etching. They will probably even give you a tattoo if you can give them enough time. <laughs> but go check out Phil there and Perry. Uh, great shop. Uh, we'll be looking to go there in the future, give you guys kind of a lowdown on their background. Thank so. you so much to Red Earth Designs for sponsoring. When I made a college station, moved to the city. Man, it's really when I started missing, I didn't really realize how I was, I didn't realize I'd miss how I was raised so much until I moved to the suburbs. Yeah. And it's like, and then when I, then that, that whole lifestyle, I wanted to do, identify with so much more because back when I was living in it, I was trying to escape it, I felt like. Yeah, and then whenever yeah. I got out of it, I was like, oh man, that was so much cooler than yeah. living in this concrete block right here. Like it's, moving to college station sucked because we lived in the suburbs and like, and, and Tyler, I had a dirt bike, and my neighbor had a dirt bike, and we had, we had 22s on the back of our dirt bike, and we'd go right around the creek, and we'd go shoot. I mean, it was just like whatever. <laughs> like, you know, we were in sixth grade. We had guns, and we had weapons and dirt bikes. Like, <laughs> and we could go anywhere. Like, it yeah. was a cool, and, you know, and, like, you get to the city, and I just, now I got my BMX bike, which I was, you know, I loved BMX back then, and, and I was riding on the city, and I was like, this, kind, this is not near as fun as a dirt bike and a 22. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, uh, and so I, I, I kind of identified a lot more. And I started listening to way more country music. And then I started digging deeper. And Dad was like, man, if you like this, you should check. And my dad always liked underground stuff. So if he's like, if you like this, you need to check out this Will Sound Ramsey guy. And he goes, I love this record. And he gave me the record, and I just fell in love with it. And, uh, and then once I listened to him, 
he's like, well, then you need to listen to some Guy Clark, and then you need to listen to Lyle Lovett, and then Robert O'Kane, and then that, then it just, then it opened Pandora's box, and it was over after that. Yeah. But Guy Clark, Lyle, Guy, my uncle was a huge Guy Clark fan, and um, and I remember he goes, hey, my um, my uncle's a lawyer in Conroe, and he goes, hey, my a friend of mine is a judge in the Woodlands, and her son just came out this record. You want to listen to it? And we were on the way to Beaumont, and I was like, yeah, put it in. And uh, we listened to it the entire weekend. It was a great record. And it was, I was like, hey, what was the name of that guy? And it was, it was Hayes Carl's first record. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, he was, you know, it was, just came out. And no one knew who he was. And we listened to that record. And, I was, and, that, and so I had that. And his my uncle gave me that record because he had like three more copies. I was like, hey, I really like the record. So I had that first record. So I've always been a Hayes fan too. So even when he first, you know, started. So, um, yeah, then we found out about Chris Knight. Me and my dad both found out about Chris Knight. We drove... We drove to Navasota to get the, the tape when it came out. They actually had an actual tape. And so, uh, yeah, just kind of once I got into that, it was like the underground scene was like way cooler than yeah. the George, way cooler than George Strait's and the Garth Brooks for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, sure. Nothing, obviously, I'm not talking shit about George yeah. Strait here, but, but I was, I mean, Chris Knight was like the coolest thing. I never heard that type of music before, you know? Yeah. That's not what radio was playing. It was really cool because it was like this. You know all the songwriting and there's more songwriter stuff i just all and then you know steve earl was kind of that bridge where he was you know super popular but then he kind of went he went underground on purpose you know and yeah. started putting out some really cool records and yeah so it's just stuff like that yeah i i think that's something that's really under underappreciated in the past years especially has been like songwriting aspect uh, at least since like 2010s and, and probably some of the, the 2000s and that's why like i really got into like kind of like the red dirt kind of underground scene like, like you were saying because it had better songwriting to me than what was being played on the radio well yeah most of the time radio is formulated songs i mean you exactly. hear the same lines in every song and it's when something's popular everyone just chases it yeah. and it just gets it gets it gets redone and redone until someone like dude i mean you can hand off four george line all you want uh but at least they were the first ones to do it yeah and then everyone started doing it you know the whole damn music scene started following, doing exactly what they were doing. So, but at least they pioneered it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> at least they have that, you know. So, like, but that's what happens as soon as someone's, you know, Morgan Wallen. Like, as soon as he did his thing, what does everyone sound like? Mm -hmm. They all sound like Morgan Wallen now yeah. and Hardy. Like, they, 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 him and Hardy started the whole new sound of country music now. Yeah. And uh, love, love him or hate him, but I mean, at least he did it, you know. And everyone's copying him. But that's yeah. what that's what they do. They find something popular then everyone else starts seeing what works and they just start then every writer's writing songs like that they copy they imitate yeah. how they write songs and they just throw stuff out but do, do you think like the rise of like zach bryan will make writers start writing more like that that type of music because he's gotten so big i think the, the zach bryan's and the co wetzels are like the uh uh i think they are let's let's see this What's the best way to say this? It's, it's, a, it's the, not saying it's a negative reaction, but it's, the, it's a negative. It's positive and negative. So if Nashville's doing the negative, they're the positive reaction to they're, that. They're so polar opposite. Yeah. Exactly. They're yeah. doing what everyone's like, what the hell is this? And they're like, we want this. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what it is. It's the reaction to what, they're the reaction to what Nashville's doing. Mm -hmm. So whatever, they're, they're, they're so different that people are like, this is what I'm talking about, not that. Yeah. You know? And so th I think that's that's my personal. So opinion. is it is it like a cycle that will just kind of continue? Like people will get enough eventually of this kind of sound, and then it will kind of flip to something else. Or I don't know. I think I think my personal opinion. I think Nashville does everything they can can do to stop the guys like Zach Bryan. 
because they don't have control over it. Like Sturgill Simpson. I mean, yeah. dude, Sturgill Simpson put out one of the greatest country records of all time. And he wasn't, he wasn't invited to the CMAs or anything. Yeah. Like, what? High, high top. Man. Like, yeah, Fantastic. Willie, Waylon, all those guys, they weren't doing that stuff either. Yep. They weren't invited. Dude, they, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, if they're not involved, they, they don't, they don't, they're not interested in promoting it at all. Yeah. They're not, they're not fans of country music. They're fans of money. <laughs> so yeah. if that's... they don't have their hand in the pot, why the hell, they, they, they don't want people to figure out that Zach Bryan and the Coetzels and the guys like us are do, doing it the way that you can do it that way. They think you, you have to have them. Yeah. So the way that Spotify has been, a, you know, love or hate Spotify, for me, it's been a huge tool to like get our, to compete with radio. I mean, because yeah. we don't get played. I mean, thank God there are some stations that do play us, but, but, um, but that was the control of music back in the day. Like I said, like, you know, we listen to country music radio. You weren't listening to the underground guys because there was no access to it. Yeah. You didn't, we weren't, and as kids or consumers of music, like the only way you find out new guys is if you go to a bar and you hear a guy play and he has a CD for sale. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I just think the Zach Bryans and the little Co-Wetzels and all that stuff are just like the, the alternate of that. So. Yeah. And I, I do think, like you said, Spotify is doing a really good job at like, especially like their curated playlists that they have. And like, they'll, they'll have guys like you and like Wyatt Flores and they'll have playlists out there that they promote and it shows up on your, like your, for you page or uh, for Spotify, and then like like consumers like me can yeah. go click on that and then just discover new songs from that. And it's been a really big tool for like finding artists like that, especially yeah. smaller artists. And like, here's another thing too, and this totally disproves what I just said. But you know, Parker McCollum, like he's he's on, he, they, he has a major record deal in Nashville. He's doing he's on CMAs, and they're they're getting behind him, which mm-hmm. is like the first time. And artists, I mean, Eli Young kind of happened to them too. They got behind Eli Young pretty heavy, but they're pu- they're pushing uh, Parker. You know, ex- they're accepting him, I guess, in Nashville. You yeah. know, and um, and it's working for him. It's been he's had great success lately, which is awesome. And uh, and I'm happy for him at that, about that because he's, he's, he hasn't changed. Yeah, I mean, his songs have not changed, which yeah. has been really cool to watch. So and he always said he wants to write. <laughs> he goes, Parker's always said he goes. Will, I want to write Chris Knight songs that make Luke Bryan money. <laughs> I was like, you can keep doing that, buddy. So, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that kind of disproves my point, too, because he's, you know, Parker's success definitely started in, in Texas and, and Coast did, too. And they've kind of now become national, national acts. Yeah. So. Well, I know you got to run here pretty soon. I got one more question. Shoot. Um, for someone who hasn't heard your music, what are three songs that you would recommend they go check out of yours to get your whole thing? Um, well, I think you have to uh, get the most obnoxious uh, one year they're going to love or hate out of the way, which would be Ringling Road. So if you can make it through that, <laughs> if you can make it through that song without hating me uh, or hating my songs, and your mind's that open, I think uh, like that would be the first one I'd send you to. But That's good news uh, for me because I love that song. <laughs> uh, I think Any More is the best song I've ever written. Um, and um, and I think, I mean, in my personal opinion, I would say any more is the best song I've ever written. Aber Island is who I kind of am as a person, and Ringling Road's my creativity, I guess. So, um, awesome. um, yeah, it's just, uh, but man, I've, you know, I have six albums now. That's a really hard question to yeah. ask because there's <laughs> yeah. so many of them. And I go back, and there's songs that I don't even play anymore, and I'm just like, man, I wish I still played that song, but. Um, it's like trying to pick a favorite kid. Yeah, I mean they all have. Well, they all they all they all live their own lives. Uh, 
and uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird deal. So but, yeah, yeah, anymore is the best song I've ever written. I'm pretty proud of that one, and um, yeah, I love the new song I just wrote too. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty in love with that one too. Yeah, so awesome. Well, if you don't mind, uh, play one more song for us to send us out. Sure. Um, let's think of what I was, what I should do. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'll do this. So this is kind of my go-to song. I would say this this might be my top three too. So. I've been thinking about you and me and all this time we spend together. I got a feeling, baby, can't you see? It's so good, but it could be better. One of these days, gonna get it right. Good love, reeling in the creek, don't rise. Find yourself glad that you found your way back home. You've been missing me, can't you tell? Ain't no reason we should be alone. You and me, baby, going out tonight. Good Lord, reeling in the creek, don't rise. Just fine. Now or never, baby, give it up. Move a little closer, put your hand in mine. You look pretty damn good tonight. You and me, baby, gonna get it right. Ain't going down to the morning light. Good Lord, building in the creek, don't rise. Thank we you really again for coming on. Cheers, yeah, man. Thank you, thank you so much.